Hi, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Leadership Enigma. So many conversations have taken place where we've talked about how do we as leaders be a force for good? How do our organizations serve the communities within which we operate? How are we actually a force for good for the earth? Now you might think to yourself, is that a strange comment or a strange question? Well, it's not because you do not want to miss this episode where I have the wonderful Andrea Croster, who is the founder, executive director and board member of Earth League International. Think of the CIA for the world. Think of the ability to protect wildlife, oceans and forests through intelligence gathering, research, undercover operations and cooperation with key government agencies. I must have piqued your interest on this one. Come back to me just after this. During constant change, your leadership has never been more important to create a better and more inclusive world. You're listening to The Leadership Enigma, a podcast for the insatiably curious to explore the power of human-centered leadership to create real momentum for positive and sustainable change. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or corporate executive, Each week, we speak to global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts, and disruptors as we discover that success leaves clues. Now, here's your host, Adam Pacifico. Well, it's a big warm welcome to Andrea. Thank you so much for being part and parcel of the Leadership Enigma. How are you, my friend? Thank you for having me. I'm great. Thank you. Now, that, I think, is one of the most wonderful introductions that I was allowed to give as regards what you do and we're going to talk about that because when we talk about earth league international i think it has all kinds of connotations for people but just help us what is earth league international let's just start with that and then we're going to go backwards and then we're going to go forwards again yeah so of course i i created uh earth league international around 12 years ago um, with the idea exactly to create the first intelligence agency for Earth, because I thought that Earth deserved to have its own intelligence agency working for the interest of Earth and nothing yep. else. Exactly like you have other intelligence agency working for governments, for example. Um, so I was uh, the, the the what triggered the whole thing was uh, uh, for my previous job is I have I have you know I have a very long uh, circle of life to get to. <laughs> I got. Uh, I was in Kenya working on security and investigation, intelligence, other in other another but related sector, and it was right in the middle of the elephant poaching crisis when we were losing 40,000 elephants every year for right. ivory trafficking. And I saw with my own eyes what was happening, and I saw that the whole world was asking the rangers to solve the problem is like asking uh, a local police uh, here in Los Angeles to solve narco trafficking. So it was, it was unfair. I mean, it was stupid. And then I start asking questions. So who is using professional intelligence to fight back? The answer was nobody. So I thought, okay, let me try. Wow. Now there's so much more to this story because if we think about it, you're Italian by background. That's right. Isn't it? Now living in the U S in Los Angeles. Yes. And tell us just a little bit more about your background that's really led to this incredible personal purpose of an intelligence agency for the earth, because that is not something that many people will think of, let alone action. So tell us a little bit more. What else is going on in your background that's led to this this passionate focus on 
protecting Earth. Yeah, it was a, as I said, it was a very long uh, circle of life. So I, first of all, I was born with a really incredible passion and love for nature and for wildlife and yep. for animals since I can remember. You know, since I was maybe five or six years old. Okay. I never wanted anything different. Um, in fact, my first master's degree is uh, zoology and biology at the University of Milan. I started working for an Italian foundation. I thought that that was it. I thought that well, you know, my work would have been you know, there, my life. Uh, but then life happened. So I lost my, my mother when I was young. Uh, there was absolutely no money in, the, in conservation back then. So I, and I also got curious about business. So I said, hmm. It was 1997. It was the very beginning of e-commerce and shopping online. Yeah. So I said, that's a cool idea. I was, you know, more or less looking what was happening in the U.S. And I said, OK, you know what? I'm going to launch uh, an e-commerce company. So in 98, I launched the second e-commerce company in Italy in the history of e-shopping yeah. online, Italy, together with Microsoft. It was actually the first uh, case study for Microsoft. And I were you know, it was a big success. I was on, you know, lots of media and I went all the way up and then I signed a big uh, uh, non-binding agreement with a big bank. Uh, and then in 2001, the Nasdaq crashed Yeah, and I lost everything almost overnight. Um, so I, I sold the company for debts, for the debts, for its debts. And, but I was already in business and I said, okay, in technology. And so to make a long story short, uh, for many, many years, I'm talking about 17, 18 years, I work as a business uh, consultant, business development consultant in between companies that produce technology, mostly for homeland security, intelligence, anti-terrorism, investigation, and so forth, and the buyers. The buyers were most of the time government agencies. And I did that for a long time. In the meantime, I did another master's degree in business administration, another BSc in psychology, and I thought, okay, that was it. Second time in my life that I said, okay, I think I got it. I think think I'm doing well. I'm making a lot of money. Super interesting stuff. Of yep. course, you can. Imagine. We were also doing anti-piracy off the coast of Somalia, VIP escort service across Africa. So, and then, uh, and then what? Is, and then happened. You know, and then I was in Kenya during the elephant poaching crisis as I mentioned earlier, and then everything changed. And I said, no, I have to do. I have to do something. I have to go back to my original passions and roots, and I have to do something. And then. That's the rest is history, and the rest is history. So I'm I'm grateful for you giving us a little bit more of the history because I always say success leaves clues, and then we can we can see that you worked in the security industry. You had some experience of working with some of the government agencies yeah. that we spoke about, and then you had this experience in Kenya. Yeah, and at that point, you said enough is enough. I need to do something in order to try now at this point this was really focused on elephants wasn't it am i, am I right in thinking that yes, it's original yes, focus correct because i was um uh, my last client in kenya was a former prime minister of somalia right uh, um high profile individuals with a lot of security issues especially with terrorist groups especially al-shabaab and um and because thanks to him thanks to him i was able with a colleague to do on my on my dime my spare time yep. while i was working for him we did the very first uh, 
uh, investigation into the links between ivory trafficking and the Somali terrorist group Al-Shabaab. And we found out that actually this terrorist group was using ivory to make to, to make money, of course, right? They were, it was one of the many sources of, uh, of money for them. And that changed everything. And that is, and then it was actually uh, a very, very powerful event when I understood, oh my God, this is way bigger than what they think, way bigger than what you read on newspapers, way bigger than the current, that back then the narrative that was going on. I have to do something about it, otherwise we will lose everything here because the focus, the people is still obsessed only with rangers, what happens on the field. And, and they don't know that there is another level, an upper level of international traffickers and transnational organized crime and, and that runs the show and nobody go and nobody's going after them. Uh, so it, it might end very bad here so for, for everyone. So so that's this is when I decided to 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 stop what I was doing and and create the first intelligence agency for Earth. And I start recruiting certain people. Of course, it was not easy at all at the beginning. Understood. Now, let me just summarize a little bit because I'm fascinated. You know that I come from a, a, a law enforcement and a legal background. So when we first connected, I I, I yeah. was, I am incredibly fascinated by this. So a couple of links that you made was when we talk about poaching at the kind of the grassroots level, that was actually feeding into international terrorism. Absolutely. And yeah. many of the things that you're investigating, so we talk about protecting wildlife and oceans and forests, and some people may think that's that's lovely and in some ways it's flowery in some ways. We're actually talking about linkages to terrorism and major organized crime, aren't we? Absolutely. And more and different kind of crimes. That was just back then I I didn't know what I know now. Right. So now most of my work is exactly on the convergence of environmental crimes with other serious crimes. But back then it was it was new to me. It was new to everyone else. And because, you know, as, as you said, they were all focused that they kept the two stories and the two narratives separated. Right? right. And because they were all focused on poachers and poachers, most, most of the time are, you know, poor people try to make a living. You know, I offer you two, three years of salary to kill us to kill an elephant. Of course, you do it. You you have a family of ten waiting for you at home. You have no job. Of course, you kill an elephant. I'd probably do the same. But they were all focused on that, so they have they didn't see the this other level. And and back then, not even myself, I saw it was I was I, it was the beginning of you know the, of a different understanding. Oh. Okay, so here the story is more complicated. Yeah. And so we need to stop and regroup and find other strategies and find other ways to fight back. Now, this is fascinating, isn't it? Because I'm drawing some comparisons. If we think about trying to deal with, as you say, a, a poor farmer, it might be, who is going to poach an elephant, that investigation, reactive or proactive, is very different than if you're trying to actually investigate the funds channeling into. Uh, an international terrorist organization. It's a little bit like I go back to my drug squad days, Andrea, where it's a very different setup and a set of resources for trying to deal with someone dealing drugs on the street. Absolutely. So actually, where are those drugs or where are the funds of those drugs actually going or trying to stem the importation of that's a whole different ballgame. So when it's you suddenly realized that you were dealing with uh, sometimes acquisitional crimes on the ground, 
but actually this was feeding into serious and organized crime. How do you start to get the attention of people to be able to assist you? How do you find people who are even able to start to deal with that level of investigation? Very different. Yeah, so th- that was, the, you know, the very beginning, I, I still remember 2012, 2013, the first couple of uh, big international conferences, yep. uh, environmental conference, you know, environmental protection. Uh, the, I remember in particular one at the CITES conference in Bangkok. Was That was the first time I pitched this idea to other people and other environmentalists. And they looked at me like I was coming from Mars, really. I was, who is this guy? I was also... Not not only a strange idea, but I was also new myself to that circle of people. So they they, they didn't work out very well. Like this, but are you now? Why are you focus? I remember one of the most common uh, uh, you know most most common criticisms was why you want to focus on on people and other kind of crimes? They are killing animals here, right? And I was answering, yeah, I know they are killing animals, but you know it's not just about animals. The human toll of what you are seeing actually is an opportunity to fight back with a completely different strategy, with teeth, we're using different laws and different law enforcement agencies. As long as you focus only on the animals, on the wildlife, nobody would care about it. And, and if the animals could talk, they will tell you, dude, change strategy is not working like this. It's too small. That's and the symptom. That's not the root cause. Exactly. Go after the big, the kingpins, the people who, who invest the money, the people behind who runs the show. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and of course, it was not easy to find the people. Of course, because of my previous job and connections, so I started to you know go around and ask people for referrals, and and so this is how I find, uh, for example, my right hand right now, Mark Davis, 28 years in the FBI and the CIA. Yeah. This is how I find them. Of course, you don't find these people off the shelf. No. Uh, <laughs> Trust so me, you don't. <laughs> so you have to takes forever, and you have to go and you have to you know, and also you don't. At least for me, it's important for me. I don't, I don't, I don't want and need only, only just very professional people. I also need good people, okay, with a good heart, yep. because we are operating in a space that if you're in for money, it's the wrong place for you. So you also need that kind of people. Uh, then I found, uh, you know, slowly other other very important uh, members of my team, crime analysts, and of course undercover uh, operatives. That's the most difficult part of 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 the job and also very difficult to find good people in that space yep. uh, so it took a few years to to build the initial team and the very and the initial board as well because it was difficult also to find the board members honestly at the beginning and, and i've had the experience uh, andrea of working with undercover operatives and and they are extraordinary human beings and i certainly won't be asking you any questions about them but can we give our listeners an actual example of how something that might be seen as an environmental local issue is actually a global and organized crime issue. So can you give us an an example that's safe to give? Yeah, of course. Another example, well, we have been working, for example, a lot uh, in the past uh, five, six years in Latin America, actually in in the Americas, you know, uh, South, Central and North as well, including the US. Right. and, And, uh, and like like uh, it happens very often because you know we rely entirely on donations mo- very often from foundations okay 
and uh, private foundations. And these private foundations are usually interested in very specific wildlife issues. Okay. So they give us the money to do that. Um, And one example was, uh, is the Jaguar, for example. So years ago, we started um, the first ever um, Pan-American investigation into Jaguar parts trafficking. Okay. It's a very interesting story. They, They traffic parts of Jaguar, especially fangs and bones, to be sold as tiger in Asia for the for the illegal black market of China, of tiger parts. So okay. body parts of Jaguars. Body part, yeah. right. So okay. uh, the story goes that is that because it's very difficult now to find wild tigers in the wild. Yeah. Uh, there are just less than around 3000 and something the whole Asia left in the wild. Right. There were 100,000 uh, in uh, 100 years ago. They went to Jaguar. So we started to work on Jaguar uh, with money coming from a, a big foundation in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam. Yep. Hey, guys, you have to focus on Jaguar for three years. So we started. And then uh, and then uh, we, the more we work on Jaguar, and the way we work, when, we, when I say we work on Jaguar, actually, we never see a, a Jaguar alive in three years, of course. I mean, we work on the trafficking and criminal networks that work at a local, regional, and global uh, scale that traffic Jaguar parts. Right. So they are all foreigners, so none, none of them is from Latin America. Most of them are from Asia. And they, you, through middlemen, they buy these parts from local communities, and then they, they smuggle to China uh, or to Vietnam or to Korea. Um, just to give you an example of the profitability of yeah, this I was going to say, what, what are we talking? What is this trade worth? They, they buy four fangs for about uh, $25, for example, uh, from a Bolivian village. Yep. And uh, these fangs are as a minimum $1,000 each in China. And if they are mounted on a jewelry, even $3,000. So I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, there are very few illegal commodities around the world with this kind of markup. Right. Okay. From $25, four of them to $1,000 each. And, and so, and the bones as well. So, um, so to make a long story short, uh, when we started to work on Jaguar, we very quickly, we realized that the networks of traffickers involved in this, in this, in this deal, in this traffic, first of all, so one step for one step backward. Yeah. So, during the past years, we learned that no matter what, doesn't matter what the reason why we are in the field. This, 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 we have a, we have a foundation that wants to work on Jaguar. We have a donor that wants to work on Sharfies. The other, the other one wants to work on Rhino. Doesn't really matter. When we are in the field, we know by now how it works. So we always use, we always see the problem through the lens of criminal convergence. Right. Criminal convergence is the convergence in this case of environmental crime, wildlife crime with other serious crimes. Usually we're talking about money laundering, human smuggling, drug trafficking, and sometimes other stuff. Okay, uh, And those are the crimes, Andrea, that, that start to um, meet the criteria for the CIA, the FBI, exactly. the Metropolitan exactly. Police, Interpol. Am I right? Exactly, exactly. And 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 this is how exactly this is how we are trying to change the game. Gotcha. So we are using convergence uh, to basically we're we're using convergence to to charge these people for crimes that are more serious than environmental crime right. and wildlife. Crime, okay, uh, and 
of course, to, and we we use those crime to get the attention, as you just said, of important law enforcement agency that would not move a finger. And I understand why for just for wildlife, it's too it's too small. They're already full of work, right? Yeah. Uh, and we use convergence also to send the signal to these networks of traffickers and and transnational organized crime linked to environmental crime. The game is changing. We are coming. We are coming for you. We are going after you for different kind of crimes. So you get. You have to get out of nature crime, okay? Because the game change. Right now, you're much more than before. Uh, and in fact, this uh, to go back to the Jaguar uh, operation from Jaguar, we went. We understood that the same people dealing with Jaguar were dealing also with shark fins trafficking in the tons and tons and tons of shark fins trafficking every year okay. and timber. Uh, deforestation. They were reinvesting money into illegal timber. Uh, they were into illegal fishing, illegal mining. Uh, they were, uh, they are currently because these are all car- car- active investigation. They are running very sophisticated money laundering schemes uh, across uh, all the Americas, including the U.S. Uh, they are really good in uh, smuggling uh, thousands of people from Asia into Latin America and then into the U.S. Uh, they call, they launder the money of the cartels, narco cartels, the same people. And uh, and this is convergence. This is how we are trying to change the way you fight for Earth. Now, Andrea, you're talking about how the crimes, environmental crimes on the ground, are now directly linked, funding and funded by cartels, serious organized crime, cartels, um, international terrorism. That's playing at a very serious level. So how, as an agency, how does the Earth League International Group manage to dent organized crime at that level? Because let's be honest, we can just go onto Netflix and watch a multitude of films about how massive agencies have never really undermined serious organized crime or you cut the snake off uh, the head off of one snake and then there are many other snakes so how do you actually make an impact at that level so we are so first of all uh, of course uh, we are a, 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 an ngo a non a non-government yep. organization so we cannot arrest people and you know we have to, there is a limit and then we stop that's what i mean you have certain you have certain things you can do but then you need authority you need power you need prosecution and this is exactly the way we work so the most important product uh that we produce is called confidential intelligence brief cib and by now many law enforcement agencies around the world knows know these cibs because they we have been sharing with them many of them and this is a these are confidential reports where we put all our intelligence of course it's intel is not raw information it's intelligence so it's analyze produce it's it's, it's process data okay uh where we not only uh explain the whole thing whatever it is but also is uh, we we present in details every single uh, big trafficker in the network that we even that we meet personal in, uh, you know personally or we hear about it. But so the, the law enforcement agencies find a, a long list of targets with pictures and address and telephone numbers and license plate and and what they do and how they move the money and where they send the kids to school. 
and everything. You know, it's a real intelligence package for them. I got to pause here because people listening might be thinking, what does this actually look like? And you mentioned earlier that you have analysts and obviously within law enforcement, we have analysts because if anyone works in an organization, you'll have an organization chart. Well, when you're talking about serious and organized crime, there is an organization and a hierarchy to it. You won't find it on the internet. But no. Andrea, what you're doing, and I know that there's there's Anna Kappa and I2 charting around this too, you're able to actually visually show who's involved and how these people are connected. Everything from mobile phones, cars, planes, exactly. boats, family and members. If I can share my screen one second. Sure. Uh, I, I will uh, show you what I mean. So um, if you see this the screen now, um, yep. you see it? I can. Perfect. Uh, so um so this is uh this well this is an example of 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 uh, of, of what we collect um and this was shark it's fin it's evidence-based work so you see on the right on the left uh, rhino horn in vietnam we yep. collect documents of course in the middle east jaguar and then shark is on the right we collect all kind of uh, data about you know bank accounts addresses geospatial data yeah anything and this is again if uh uh, pictures that we either collect ourselves or the traffickers uh, uh, send it to us. So this is a this is an example of what we collect. It's a, as I said before, is an evidence based work. So yep. every single word we say or write is based on evidence collected firsthand by our people. Right. And is and what 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 do I mean by our people? I mean that our undercover specialists, their work is to basically infiltrate those networks become they become really good friends with these people uh on a business level because they they introduce themselves as potential partners and friends of course one of the difference between investigation and long-term intelligence is that you have to take you need time you know you that's why we stay with these people for one two even three years before giving information to law enforcement because you have to get to a certain level of trust when they will tell you everything okay? and this is this is dangerous stuff andrea because you're talking about people who are covert operatives who are living the life in order yes. to be uh, accepted by organized crime uh sometimes we you know we hit really really big traffickers you know this on the right you can see he's one of the most uh, important ivory trafficker in asia and then the, on the left you see another rhino horn just to give you an example this rhino horn uh, that you see here is easily 200 250,000 dollars wow. $250,000 before being processed and grinded and transformed it's like imagine uh you know uh cocaine before being cut and right. put on the on in the okay. street then the value is you know you know of course is much higher so the, again we're talking about very very serious profits we also uh, in, you know investigate illegal timber this is me in uh, in gabon uh, uh very you know weird things that you might not you know on the on the on the on the right side you see tiger uh tiger fangs in the middle it's a it's the is actually the swim bladder of a specific fish in baja california again uh, wanted uh, for the black market in asia uh it goes for 
around fifty, sixty thousand dollars a kilo. So wow. again, lots and lots of money. And on the left side, you see on the left you see pangolin scales, which is you know again uh, uh, very. But this I, I wanted to go back to what you were trying to into what you were saying yeah. before. The analytical part is very very important for us. You know, otherwise, you don't know what you have. And actually, if you're if you're familiar with you know sometimes the 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 undercover operatives the collectors of information yep. the, you know the, they are not they don't have an analytical mind they have a hunting mind you know they go and they do incredible things retrieve information but sometimes they don't, they are not even aware of what they retrieved actually you need analysts to do that part of work and and of course we do a lot of criminal network analysis this is what you 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 mentioned before mm-hmm we reconstruct those networks and who is important and who is connected with whom locally regionally connection to a uh, connection to companies not only in between yep. people but companies well, it's like a family tree in the end isn't it family tree exactly you can see how they're connected to a specific import export company or a restaurant or sometimes even embassies or you know very delicate information we 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 handle very often just Uh, mention geo uh, geospatial intelligence just help people understand that andrea yeah so we have a partnership with esri which is a leading technology geospatial technology company here in the u.s they just to give you an example they give uh, products to the vast majority of law enforcement and intelligence agency around the world they gave they gave us um the pro bono the, the suite of product and we are building we are developing a geospatial uh, capabilities in-house and it's very interesting it's a very very useful when you have to build when you have to produce complex intelligence reports about different networks and different crimes in different parts of the world but connected with each other so using geography and geospatial it helps to present uh, to show the problem and to show your investigation for example in a different way and uh, and in law enforcement find it very useful of course uh, this kind of uh, presentation now of course now of course the trial lawyer in me is always fascinated by this because a picture paints a thousand words and this always helps both judge and jury uh, at any trial so you're creating you know in-depth confidential intelligence briefings are they just for intelligence or are they also for evidential purposes during a prosecution as well andrea so that's the difficult part because uh, uh we are an ngo yep. okay as i said before so uh in order to bring these people uh you know to arrest them and then to charge and you know you know to go to a trial yes. and to prosecute these people law enforcement agencies should need to do this redo what we do at least in part to okay. create the evidence package yeah. right. there, there is a whole chain of custody thing so they cannot arrest and prosecute someone just because i said so okay right. i'm giving you all the intelligence needed to jumpstart any kind of investigation the day after on something very often that you know nothing about it okay there is also a curve you know a, a period where we we call it a knowledge transfer period when you are actually telling law enforcement about things that they don't know and then they can do the same uh of course as you know very well uh the capabilities of law enforcement agency around the world change varies a lot varies you know there are you cannot compare uh, i'm not uh, i'm not criticizing but you cannot compare what uh, law enforcement in in bolivia peru or south africa or thailand can do compared to the law enforcement in the uk or in the us of course so comes down to resources doesn't it resources you know imagine 
I think the most uh, significant challenge we are dealing with, you know, when we try to help law enforcement is that right now, as I said before, the most important wildlife traffickers and environmental criminals in the world ca- uh, come from different countries in Asia and law enforcement don't have translators for, for these languages. Right. Okay. That's, they're starting below zero. Uh, and hence, low-hanging fruits. That's the problem. Uh, wherever you go, NGOs and, and government agencies in the past decades, they have been just... Uh, going they have been just going for low-hanging fruit so arrest of small fish and people who is really not important so andre how you're mm. talking about an operation that you're running which is coming across blockages and barriers and hurdles all the time any leader listening to this will know that they also have to overcome challenges and barriers and blockers and people who say no where do you find that mindset and that inertia to overcome these significant challenges? Um, Well, in my space, I think one of the most important things to learn is to really remove your emotions. Uh, uh, Emotions are, 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 are of course, sometimes important to motivate it, to motivate you and to give you the energy once in a while. But usually it's something that you have to keep really for, for yourself under the shower. I mean, that's outside are not useful. And and that's the problem because in the space we work, environmental, the environmental protection yeah. sort of space, it's all about emotions. And that's the first problem we have very often. You know, it's a, all the narrative is around emotions. I give you emotions. I give. I make you cry, and you give me money. So that's and we don't do right. that. Uh, we are extremely rational and 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 focus on the on you know, as we say in Italian, eyes on the balls when you play soccer, right? So we we yep. are like that. Um, and then, uh, of course, this is very banal to say. It's not. It's nothing new, but. In my case, is super super important. My team is everything. Actually, without my team, I am nobody. I, uh, I'm really not important at all. They do the job, and uh, and they do the job for for a salary that is half the one that you you know on the market. So it's it's uh, it's um, it's all about a team, and and in, at least in my space, yeah. uh, on a personal level, because we are fighting for Earth. And I'm fighting for something I really care, like you know, nature and wildlife and and, and wilderness and oceans and forests. So, which is also, by the way, <clears throat> very important for our future. Uh, sometimes, you know, more than once, more. I mean, very often, actually, journalists ask, uh, ask me, you know, what about hope? And I answer that I don't need hope. This hope is not part of my vocabulary. I actually don't like hope. Right. Uh, it's uh, when you fight for f- your family, you don't need hope, right? Your family, w- if you have to fight for your wife or children or whatever, or girlfriend, you don't need hope. You just fight. And that's, uh, and that, and that's how I feel. I don't, I absolutely do not need hope. What I do is doesn't depend on hope. Uh, I just, we just fight and that's it. And that's how it keeps us, you know, strong. This is an extraordinary level of personal purpose. Isn't it? I spoke to um, a professor at Duke University, Tony O'Driscoll, and he used a phrase where he said, meaning is the new money. And this is going to resonate with people because many organizations and leaders are starting businesses. Listen, we're not trying, they're not trying to compete, can't compete with the sheer level of purpose of Earth League International. But 
having something that is purposeful is important for any leader in any organization. Finding people who share that purpose and that meaning is also important. As you say, you've got amazing people that you've had to look very hard for who are taking salaries that are half the level that they could get, but actually they're fighting for a purpose and a cause which they see as significant. Exactly, exactly. And for us, at least for me, quality is is everything. I, I, I because as you can imagine, we are dealing with very difficult uh, and sensitive information. We're dealing yeah. with people, so quality of our work is everything. And and what makes me going? For example, recently, <clears throat> recently we got uh, we share information with a lot of uh, law enforcement agencies around the world. In the U.S., we know. U.S. Homeland Security, Fish and Wildlife, State Department, and a lot of people, a lot of agencies receive our information. And recently, and the, this whole part is often managed by my right hand, Mark Davis, you know, former FBI and CIA. And recently, uh, we got a, we share information with one of the most important, if not the most important, law enforcement agency in the U.S. One of our confidential briefs, and we got back a feedback saying the quality of your work is very similar to the quality of our work and our reports. Wow. And that's, as you can imagine for us is, this is something maybe not that you can really share with the public. The public would probably don't care, but to us is an incredible validation uh, to be recognized in terms of quality of work as almost equal with these agencies. So here we are in, in 2022. What's next for Earth League International, Andrea? Uh, growth, you know, it's very, very difficult to grow with the, uh, I, I know it's, you know, when you talk to us and, you know, we've, we've done a couple of documentaries, one with Netflix, the other one with National Geographic. So we also yeah. have a public face. We don't have only a secret face, yeah. uh, but despite all these, our pitch remain, remains very, very difficult for most uh, people and donors to understand. So growth for us is a challenge. Uh, we grow, but we grow very slowly, uh, simply because most people don't fully get what we do. And, uh, and especially in this space, they're all, they all like very quick yeah. results. And we are not into quick results when you're dealing with this international trafficking networks and you want to really take down the, the top, it takes time. You cannot show results in a couple of weeks. So uh, in, in the future, is there's growth, of course, and the more resources we get and the more uh, incredible people we can hire yes. and, the more, and the more we can help law enforcement. So you're now having good contact and working relationships with law enforcement. Uh, I think the same is also true of large organisations, isn't it? They're also seeing what you're doing and stepping in. And I know for one, uh, Scott at Hydric is part and parcel of, of your board or chairman of your board. So tell us a little bit now about some of the individuals who are assisting you who come from the corporate world and yeah. obviously have, uh, again, a very, very fierce uh, uh, sponsorship of what it is that you do. Correct. So... I actually used uh, uh, COVID. We never stopped working during COVID. Uh, right. We were really, you know, we of course we have to, uh, you know, reduce a little bit our activities, but we never stopped working. We did missions around the world. Whenever it was it was able, it was possible to travel. We we send we send a team to a country, but I used COVID to 
I realized that uh, we were foc- we have been focused so much in the field in the past few years, doing good job in the field that we kind of forgot, not forgot, but we didn't have the time and the resources to to take care of the organization from a structural point of view and from a yep. or strategic point of view. So I needed to uh, basically rebuild my board, and uh, the 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 old the organization kind of outgrew the. The old board. So, and I stumbled upon Scott uh, uh, at the at the actually at the environmental film festival here in the United States. Uh, I was on a panel. I was talking about this, and he saw me, and I said, "Well, I need to, I need to meet this person." And, I, and for me, Scott is really God sent because I really <laughs> need uh, I really need someone like God, like Scott that was able to. Okay, you're doing a good job in the field, great, but now we need to also build a different parts of the organization if you really want to grow. And so uh, he helped me to rebuild the board with incredible people. Uh, if you go on our website, our team, you will see them. Uh, you know, <clears throat> former Cisco, former Tesla, former Fox, uh, really, really incredible people. The current uh, executive director of Jane Goodall Institute, for example, I have a you know uh, I have also a special relationship with Jane Goodall. So it's uh, yeah. So Scott helped us to do that to 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 acquire a, a different. Uh, how do you say? You know, it's um, to reinforce the organization also on that side. That uh, uh, that for a series of reasons I couldn't take care of, of course. And in some ways, this brings me full circle as regards organizations, responsibility and opportunity to be a force for good. And there are many ways that we, as larger organizations, can be a force for good. And, and maybe this is just one example. Andrea, how do people get in contact with you, learn more or become part of the dialogue in relation to what it is that you're doing for Earth League International? What's the best way? Uh, I th- I think social media. We are pretty active on social yep. media, so Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. Uh, we are on all of them. Uh, our handle is Earth League Int, like international, but so Earth League Int. Okay, and uh, and um, we try to communicate as much as possible, also with our followers through a monthly newsletter. Of course, uh, the, the our problem is that we. we we cannot share with the public maybe 40 50% of what we do that's a gigantic challenge in the when you are a nonprofit right yeah. <laughs> there are nonprofit that put out the press release every time they go to a restaurant we cannot do that uh, or at least we have to wait until we complete the work uh, but we do our best to 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 do it anyway and i think uh it's very it's very interesting to follow us because you can you can learn about all those things even maybe without the details but uh, uh it's not difficult to follow us and then of course if you want to watch the ivory game on netflix or sea of shadows on national geographic these are both co-produced with uh, leonardo dicaprio um these are great documentaries to you know you get an idea more or less of, of how we work in the field so the ivory game and sea of shadows. I think you mentioned yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah. I mean, Andrea, the next one now. Okay, so Andrea, listen, you're an incredible example of a human-centered, purposeful leader. So I'm very grateful to you for us to have that conversation. And so this might be a slightly bizarre question: with all that you've experienced and with all that you are currently experiencing, what's the, been the best piece of leadership advice that comes to mind for you that you've given? 
or received. Is there something that comes to mind? I, I, I actually have one that is very, very important to me, and I and I try to to do it all the time. Yep. And uh, it, to, to to be a good leader, especially in a complex uh, environment and organization like ours, you must do every single job in your organization at least once. So everyone. So I, I was in the field uh, multiple times. I know what it is. I, I know how to um, work on our website from a you know webmaster point of view. Yep. Uh, I, I, I supervise marketing and communication and fundraising. I deal with, so I, I, I operate drones because sometimes we, we have people operating drones, but first I wanted to learn myself how it is. Okay. And then I can give it to somebody else the job. Uh, wherever we work around the world in different countries, I need to be there at least once by personally, because I need when 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 then I have my team there, I need to understand their challenges and their and what they're dealing with. So do at least once, not do, not just do, be able to do the work of your team, not as good as they are. Of course, there is that's the reason why you're hiring them, but you have to be able to do it by your, yourself in order to tell them what to do. I mean, do you really understand it? And also you can empathize with them as well. Correct. But the challenge for you, Andrea, as well, is if you start to scale and get bigger and bigger and bigger, there's only one Andrea. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a challenge I can't solve for you. But listen, I just wanted to say uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again. Please, please, people, check out Earth League International. See what they're doing. It'll really, your hair will stand on end as regards what you maybe thought was kind of light and fluffy from an environmental point of view. Forgive me, Andrea, for describing it that way to something that we're talking about global issues. And we need more people like Andrea and the Earth League International who are, as you say, they're actually looking after our planet. And I can't think of a more purposeful message than that for the Leadership Enigma. You've been an absolute superstar. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me anytime. Join us again next week for more tips and strategies on the Leadership Enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with your host on LinkedIn or our YouTube channel. And remember to get your daily learning to build success at www.insights.emeritus.org. Download the Insights app and start learning for free. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on all your major podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.